1: Welcome to Bitches on Comics. I'm your host, Essie Fleenor.
2: And I am your other host, Sarah Sentry. And we are here today with a very special guest. We want to talk to Craig from the I Want You to Watch This podcast. Welcome, Craig.
1: Not only do we want to, we're going to. Oh, Woo-hoo! wow. Oh, geez. Oh, Craig's yeah. here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, oh.
3: <laughs> Poof, bam! Here I am,
1: bam. Yeah. the nightcrawler of bitches on comics. Everything we ever hoped for,
2: right?
3: <laughs> I mean, I, there's there's some discourse going on on the timeline today about uh, you know which X Men you would want to fuck, and oh, I'm sorry, can I say fuck on here? Oh yeah, now, now that I've said it twice already, please. Um, cool. Fuck, fuck, and, fuck, yeah, We I actually mean, just, are
2: offended if you don't. So <laughs>
1: We've kicked like three people off the bat yeah. for not saying Get salt. out of here. Like, you know what, motherfucker, you're gone. We have explicit
2: warning. So if we're not earning that, like, what are we yeah, doing? Yeah, you got you to <laughs> shove it in
3: there. You got to shove it in there. You do. Uh, which is, Speaking again, what we're talking about. There. Yeah, with, with the X-Men. And uh, my <laughs> <laughs> obvious choice was Nightcrawler because, like, mm-hmm. you know, I want to see what that tail do. Like, oh, yeah. you know, like, I just, I, I know, I know. <laughs>
1: Okay, like, I read that tweet today and I did not remember it was yours, but I remember just cackling.
3: Well, no, that was that was the so Clarkisha was the one that brought up the tale specifically. Oh. Clarkisha Kent uh, at yes. I Write All Day on yes. Twitter. I initially was like, was just like, yes, I've always loved the blue boys. Like I've always had like, you know, like the beasts, the, the nightcrawlers, the grayish, bluish, purplish Goliath from Gargoyles, if anyone has watched that. Not to mention Voiced by Keith David, which like my God, oh, no, if that man's voice does not get you wet, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Like, I don't know what's going on down there. Cause, um, yeah, Keith David's voice is just like, oof. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just talking about fucking cartoons. No big yeah. deal. Stuff. <laughs> Let's I start mean, this off right today. I, yeah, yeah, that's
2: once again something that we kick people off the podcast if they don't do. <laughs> yeah.
1: If you're weird about people wanting to sleep with cartoons, get the away from me. Seriously. Delightful. So tell us a little bit more about I Want You to Watch This, your awesome podcast.
3: Yeah. uh, So we've been going for um, a little, I think, over four years at this point. There might have been something that happened like just over four years ago that people might remember. I think it was like around November, 2016. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know. There's there's something that happened there. I don't I'm not sure exactly mm. what it was, but maybe the someone blank else remembers spot in
1: my memory. Um, yeah. Complete blank. Uh
3: um, yeah, just me and some friends. We were just in a place where we were like, we really just want to do something that brings us some joy and some levity and something that we can think about that is not this giant blank spot of four years in our memory. And so mm-hmm. We decided to start a podcast about movies that we love. When it first started, it was me and my friend Dennis and my friend Colin. Um, Dennis uh, decided to go off and do some personal work and stuff like that. So um, we brought on um, our friend Tara, who is amazing. Love her. Like The dynamic of the show is like amazing. I love it. We love to talk about movies that we want people to watch. Nine times out of ten, we succeed in that. Every once in a while, we watch a movie, and it's like, ooh, wait, oh. Whoopsie. Yeah, <laughs> We relate
1: and, to that. Oh, yeah. We definitely relate to that. We try to keep it, you know, like, I don't want to say positive, because I feel like that there's, like, toxic positivity, sure. but we try to talk about things we're excited about. Yeah. yeah. And, and we can acknowledge the flaws, and we can talk about what sucks about it, even while we talk about what we love. Um, I'm thinking of... <laughs> Dazzler and the Grapplers, mm. which was just an amazing comic.
2: Oh God, yeah, Dazzler number thirteen, loyal <laughs> listeners, which mm. is a comic that is about Dazzler getting put in prison and the Grapplers, who is a team of women wrestlers, wrestle her in prison. And it's real gay. And, uh, yeah, um, I was like,
3: yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty gay.
1: It's yeah. my favorite comic <laughs> ever written. <laughs> Yeah, Sarah's constantly pitching for people to bring the Grapplers back in comics. Let's I'm like, bring stuff. them back. Give me a mini-series. You know mini-series? make a great I guest won't... star in this? <laughs> the Grapplers. You want a mini Let Sarah write the Grapplers mini-series. Your life would be changed. Oh,
3: my God. Wow. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. We need, we need like, Vida Ayala or, like, Teenie Howard on that, like— uh Yeah, but we, <laughs> we need somebody, like, already inside to, like, start, like, mm-hmm. working as, like, covert agents to, you know, just, like, gay the fuck out of the X-Men, which has already been happening. Pretty much since already the happening, dawn of X, yeah. Like, which I'm so for. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a listener question recently that I think will air before this interview. And if not, hey, it's coming up. About what sort of like queer comics are currently coming out and comics by women that are currently coming out. And it's like a 30-minute segment. I swear, (laughs) 13 (laughs) minutes is us just being like, so here's what's up with the X-Men. Here's the titles you have to read. Here's why they're amazing. Here's what's super gay about it. It's just like, yeah, Yeah, what are you going (laughs) to do? Some days you just got to freak out about how gay the X-Men are. (laughs) It's true.
2: It's one of my favorite pastimes. And we will be doing it again soon. Awesome. I know, I'm looking forward to it.
1: So I think I Want You to Watch This is so fun. You all yeah. have such incredible rapport. You're, you know, when I was listening, I was like, oh, Craig's like the perfect person to come on our pod. You'd like to laugh. You're There's so much in common with what we do here at Bitches on Comics. So listeners, I hope you'll go check out. I want you to watch this. And you can find them online at IWYTWT.com.
3: IWYTWT.com.
1: Ooh, that one was, mm, gave me chills. That's not going to be an ASMR. Someone's going to make you just saying that over and over. Amazing. So another thing that we know about you is that you participate in Blacktober, and we would just love to hear about your process with that. Listeners, we've shared with you the amazing Blacktober zine. Make sure you go check it out on Gumroad. But Craig, tell us about what your experience was like. How long have you been doing it? And yeah, what did you get from it?
3: Uh, this was actually my first year. Um, I'm actually surprised. I didn't realize that you knew that I did that, but <laughs> that's great.
1: <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm following uh, you yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> uh,
3: but yeah, I did the I did the Blacktober thing, uh, which I loved so much. For anyone who doesn't know, essentially, it was you know black artists who were either reimagining existing characters as Black people or creating their own characters, um, their own Black characters. Uh, And so, you know, there's a lot of talk, you know, constantly um, online about, you know, representation and what that means and um, the importance of it, uh, and particularly within media and within art in spaces where, um, you know, growing up, I didn't see a whole lot of people like me in anime or comics or movies or television. And so being able to either um, highlight those influences, those people, those characters that I saw that reflected a bit of myself back to me uh, was really important. Or also being able to, you know, maybe a character that didn't necessarily look like me, but that felt, you know, in some way representative of me um, and being able to reimagine them as someone who looked more like me was something that was really cool. It was something that was really fun to do. It was a really interesting exercise in creativity to do that. And so many of the other artists that I saw, you know, posting things was like just this amazing outpouring of all these extremely talented artists. Like I really didn't even really like really start picking up a lot of drawing consistently until, you know, kind of quarantine started so, you know, it's been like, you know, a little less than a year for me since I really started working on improving my visual art. So it was just really an inspiring moment. It was something that was a really great motivation for me to actually sit down for, you know, days after each other to put this together to, you know, make something like this. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was just a really great experience overall and something that I really enjoyed doing.
2: That is super amazing. That zine is so great. We had a really good time looking over it. Essie, do you remember where you can find it? It's on Gumroad, right? It's on Gumroad. I think if you Google Blacktober
1: 2020 Gumroad, it pulls it right up.
2: Okay, awesome. Yeah, I believe that it's available for very small donations. I think also they have a free option if you need it, but kicking them some cash is so cool too. So
1: worth it. A couple of bucks, Yeah. Or much more if you have it. Uh, yeah, I think that Blacktober always feels like this explosion of joy and, and creativity. And I really like it. I feel very grateful to be on Twitter and get to just be like, what? What? Right. Amazing. Yeah. It's just me yeah. going, amazing, over <laughs> and over again. Like I'm, you know, the one with the weird hair from uh, Back to the Future. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yes, let's talk about like how did you get into nerddom and then you know comics and were they like the same timing for you? Oh
3: god, what do you, what do you mean how did I get into it? Like I was like what was born, your first thing I was, you born, was well, born into you were, the nerddom. came out of the
1: womb like with a magneto <laughs> helmet on and yeah.
2: Like, Here I am. I mean, <laughs> Arguing on the internet
3: out of the womb. Um yeah, I mean X-Men was always like my jam, like growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, the animated cartoon was always on, you know, Saturday mornings. Um, And then I would always wake up like two hours before I had to leave for school because Sailor Moon and Digimon would play in the mornings as well as Pokemon. So, yeah, it's just been like for as long as I can remember. And then like before that, it was like, you know, dinosaurs. Like I was into the (laughs) whole Jurassic Park thing and just always super into and like fixated on whatever was my interest to be at the time. Like I was, there was a time where I was like super into marine biology. And so I was like reading all these books about like deep sea creatures and like, you know, and so it was just like, yeah, I've always just kind of really found something I loved and just latched onto it. And, you know, I think anime has been a really long standing one for me and comics have been another one that have been really standing for me even before I even knew what, The word anime meant, like, I think back when, you know, Sailor Moon and all that stuff was, like, on TV, Mm -hmm. I don't even think we really knew that it was called anime. It was just, like, what was on, and that was, like, really cool to watch. You know, it was, like, another cartoon that was on TV, but when you're, you know, seven and eight years old, you don't really, like, know exactly, like, oh, yeah, like, this is anime. Well, that was also, like, (laughs) before the internet was, like...
2: <laughs> right,
3: really ubiquitous, you know. So mm-hmm.
2: couldn't like read the Wikipedia entry at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember the. I remember watching Sailor Moon a bunch as a kid. Uh, whenever it was on Cartoon Network, so it would be alongside like Dexter's Laboratory and stuff like that. Um, yeah, Sailor Moon, Gateway
3: Drug, right? And then yeah, the Tanami era of like mm. you know Dragon Ball Z. Cowboy Bebop I think like Big O was another one uh yeah just all of these different things that were just like just always there and like I never really like knew the full storylines behind them because it was always like random episodes in random order across like different channels like Mm -hmm. you know like (laughs) because like you know I didn't have cable for a lot of the time growing up and so Sailor Moon and Digimon would be on these like really weird channels again at like 5 30 in the morning. And so, like, yeah. I would just be up, like, watching these random episodes. And, like, I don't think they ever really were playing in order. I was just like, this just looks so cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's kind of what it's like to be an X Men fan, too, huh? It's right. Just, you oh just my kind God, of like yeah. pick up an issue and you're just like, no idea. But I love this guy with the glowing red eyes. And I do really enjoy person who can turn to diamond and then like you just Little of, Mr. Slashy, as yeah, I thought of Wolverine. Yeah. Little Mr. Claus, man. Angry Claus. <laughs> Little Mr. Angry Claus.
3: Like, I remember my first full, like, storyline of X-Men that I ever read was Age of Apocalypse.
2: Same! Like, oh my like, <laughs> God! What's up? <laughs> like, that my friend when?
3: had, like, every issue. Every yeah. single issue. Like, the single issues of it and let me borrow them for, like, Two years, and I would just like read them over and over Mm -hmm. again. And so that was like the one, like. Full, full-ass storyline that I had of X-Men growing <laughs> Completely up.
2: Completely <laughs> out of continuity. And also, it is the most glam universe, right? So, like, everybody has cool eye makeup and, like... Right, and we
3: got the Blink coolest, out of coolest. that, which, like, oh, my God, oh my yeah. God I love her. Like, mm-hmm. what a badass. And I just, I don't know if you've read Saladin Ahmed's Exiles series. Uh-huh, yeah, um, definitely. Which I just love that we got, like, more of Blink. Uh, you know, again, we got her as... This kind of like West Indian woman, as opposed to, you know, they kind of had her like as this like nebulous, like no one to like really, have, yeah. she didn't really have a background because she was she from has this like alternative universe. Skin too. Yeah. And yeah. And she has pink skin. And so it was really cool to get like more of a background of like who this character is and where they come from. So it was, just, yeah.
2: <laughs> I agree. That is a really good series. Oh my God. And Age of Apocalypse is, like, the most wild thing to step into the X-Men on, for sure. (laughs) I remember doing the same, though. I think I, like, read, like, one issue of Generation X, and then I picked up Age of Apocalypse and was just, like, I have no idea, like, what is happening And uh, you just think that's the regular universe, right? Like, that was how I felt. And then, like, whenever it comes back out of it, I was just like, what? Everybody died? Like, back (laughs) then you, like, really didn't have, like, the internet, right? So you're just like, "Um, everything I'm reading is just, like, total face value. Like, I don't totally know what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, that sounds like you and I have a lot in common. Um, And I know Essie as well because we're used to walking into these, you know, sci-fi and fantasy kind of franchises just being like, all right, what? You need like a roadmap to get out of there. But there is no roadmap. It's just called buying more comics. <laughs> yeah.
1: Good luck. Sorry. Like, I know you were wanting to find out what happens at the end. There is no end. It just keeps going. Goodbye.
2: No, no. You have part one, three, and five, but you don't have part six and you don't have part four. So, good luck. And part seven yeah.
1: never got published because it got canceled. Suddenly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really do feel for people who have a hard time getting into comics because I get it. It's not an (laughs) easy industry. But I do think one of the things comics teaches you to do that I think is a very valuable skill is to roll with the punches. You Mm. don't have to know everyone's name. You don't need to know why they're mad at each other. But you can tell they're mad. And you just keep rolling until one day someone gives you six pages of backstory. <laughs> and then you're oh, yeah. like, oh, damn, that's
2: what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever you find out that Wolverine isn't just mad at like one or two people, but he's mad at all of the people and you're just like, oh, it doesn't matter what this guy's saying to Wolverine. He's just going to be mad about it.
1: It's Fine. <laughs> Yeah, I was into the uh, animated series of X-Men and then also Batman TAS. And I don't know which I saw first. I also saw everything completely out of sequence. I think I saw maybe one episode of X-Men. We did not have cable. We had rabbit ears and then we didn't have them, I think, for a while. And I just remember being like, wow, this Wolverine got a lot in common with me. Seems very angry, (laughs) is pretty short, does have adamantium claws, okay, that's the one that's different. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think the X-Men are really special. So I think it's cool that that they're so important to you as well, Craig.
2: I was like, I relate to Jean Grey because she's always fainting and I always want to faint.
3: <laughs> I mean, comics and powerful women in general have a, a rocky history.
2: I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm just going to take a nap on the ground, Okay.
3: Which I don't know are are either be watching WandaVision right now?
1: Yes, yes,
3: uh, yeah. I mean, that's uh, I mean, as of as of what, when we're recording, like the finale hasn't happened yet, but like, oh my god, I just uh, I can't <laughs> wait! I can't wait! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm just really happy to know that Monica is going to be in Captain Marvel too. I know, so like, yes, well, I just don't have to worry about her fate. You know, I'm like, no matter what terrible thing happens at the conclusion of this episode or this season, she's going to be in that movie, and I'm going to get to dream about
3: that. Oh, God, that just reminded me. (laughs) They would have to work so hard to, in any way, like, kill her character or endanger her character (laughs) within the current, like, framework of the MCU. Uh, And then I remember Darwin... Um, oh
2: god yeah (laughs) yeah yeah
3: which like your power can literally be uh hey you can't kill me and then some fucking white douchebag writer can just come along and be like no we're gonna do that anyway um (laughs) he's the one who dies
2: he's actually the one so let me run this by everybody so we're just gonna kill this guy does anybody see a problem with that his
3: power is like Literally to be unkillable. Like,
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Yep. I mean, yeah, it, send the pitch over. I, it sounds good to me. <laughs> That'll
1: really raise the stakes for the white character. Yeah. You know? I feel like it will. <laughs> I feel like it will. <laughs> This is all sarcasm. I
3: don't see that happening with Monica. Um, no, but fuck. It would be so ridiculously hard for them to justify in any way. And everybody <laughs> loves her so happen. much. Like, yeah.
2: everybody has nothing but good wishes for this character.
1: As well they should.
2: And she's, like, kind of the best part of the whole show. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: And literally just, like, one of the most powerful characters in the MCU currently.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love her hey everybody earlier today i made myself a sandwich and i thought to myself if i could rate and review this sandwich i would give it five stars and (laughs) i would say this sandwich is so incredible is best sandwich i've had literally in days and it was everything i wanted it to be and that would be a positive review that would help me see what audience responses were to my sandwich. And, you know, it would just be really a helpful system. I wonder if there's another situation where rating and reviewing would come in handy. Oh. Huh. Oh, my God. No. What? You could rate and review this podcast, and then that helps us find our audience, and it helps us find whatever we've lost. It helps us find what we've lost. It
1: helps us find our socks, <laughs> our keys, our <laughs> cell phone. People don't talk about it enough. When you rate and review, it really changes someone's life. (laughs) Yeah,
2: it's going to change my life, that's for sure. And we like to read the reviews, you know, the ones that are positive, that say soothing and nice things.
1: (laughs) Five stars. (laughs) We'll give you
2: five stars as a listener. You give us five stars as a podcast. Five sandwiches. (laughs) This podcast, let's face it, is five delicious sandwiches.
0: Are you ready to shop? And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Another day is here,
3: and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
1: You know, Craig, you have selected an amazing series of comics and TV shows for us to discuss today. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about Far Sector, which is the N.K. Jemisin Green Lantern, Abbott, written by Saladin Ahmed, Lovecraft Country from HBO, based on the novel by Matt Ruff, I believe, and Watchmen, also on HBO, a TV show, based on the Alan Moore comics. Yes. I just wanted to say what we were talking about. I don't even know where to start. I'm
3: like. (laughs) I have varying feelings. Uh, I mean, like Watchmen, I think, is probably like the best single season of television I've ever seen in my life. That is just like my personal opinion. That is how I feel about it. No one else is required to feel that way (laughs) about it. But for me, it is perfect and I love it. It just gave me everything that I wanted out of. The story that it was telling me. Mm. I don't feel quite the same way about Lovecraft Country, (laughs) but Mm. I did enjoy it. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. So I rewatched both of them and, you know, reread all of the first series of Abbott. There's a new one that's currently out that's That's Abbott 1973, which I haven't had a chance to read yet. Um, But, and then. It's so good. I have. It's on commentology, right? Yes. And then um, Far Sector has not ended yet. There's two more right. issues before the end of the, I think it's a limited series from DC. So mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it's not completely finished yet, but like going through all of it, I was like, oh my God, so many parallels. As I was like watching and then like reading and then, so I started watching one episode of Watchmen then I watched one episode of Lovecraft Crunchy. Then I read the first issue of Abbott. Then I like went back through and was like watching Watchmen and Lovecraft Country alternatively and then like Mm -hmm. interspersing Abbott. And then I just like finished all of that and then read all of uh, Far Sector at the end. So, (laughs) but I just love like how much like these stories fit with each other. So like Lovecraft Country and Abbott fit together actually like really well as these stories that take place within one or two decades of each other So Abbott takes place in like 1972 and uh, Lovecraft Country is like the early sixties, late fifties ish type of era. Um, And they both heavily deal with like magic and especially like dark magic being used in particular against black people and reclaiming that magic to use against the people that are oppressing the black people with that magic. So it was just like seeing that and uh, because when I first started watching Lovecraft Country, I was like immediately, I was like, I need to reread Abbott. And so this was just my excuse to do both of those things again. So thank you for that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're here for. Yeah. Excuses to revisit things you love. (laughs) Yeah. And also we've
2: talked about Abbott before. I don't even, I have, no idea what episode that was on, but didn't we have
1: it as a comic of the week? It was a comic of the week because I am a huge fan, as was Sarah. It's really good, yeah. Piece. Just oh, talk about like evoking a time period through every like iota of, of Abbott. It's like from the colors to like the, oh my God, the style is all done so cool. And the clothes. Oh. The monsters. I loved the monsters. Yes. Beautiful. I love Abbott, you know, I just I love
3: her, oh, my
2: I just God.
1: Love her.
3: Yeah. And yeah, and that's what and that's what like that's one of the things that Lovecraft Country actually does really well too, is it does like evoke that time period, mm, like its time yeah. period really well. Um, you know, whereas uh, you know, Watchmen is, you know, more of it's a modern story. It takes place in the, you know, it was released in 2019 and the story is taking place, you know, in an alternate reality, but in 2019. And with flashbacks to, you know, again, a similar time as Lovecraft Country because it has flashbacks to the Tulsa Massacre, which is also, um, you know, a storyline within Lovecraft Country. And so Lovecraft Country and Abbott do a really good job of setting you in that time period and seeing the the similarities between Elena Abbott and uh, Letitia Lewis. I think is really interesting too they're both uh they're both photographers like they're both like investigating this dark magical mystery and they're they're both fighting against not only this surreal magical element but just the reality of being black women within their time periods and so watching these two women navigate that while also Asserting themselves like while also you know exhibiting not only like strength but like vulnerability and using that as a way to uh you know, cope, survive, and move through these like terrifying events in their lives is is really is really interesting. And so I really just loved watching these things and reading these things so close together.
1: I completely agree i I think that they're so powerful on their own. But then when you put Abbott and Lovecraft Country together, they they just make each other stronger. Like there's just, there's so much being discussed around the power of Black women and the burden put on Black women to be powerful. I mean, I think the story for me, honestly, in Lovecraft Country that like blew my mind was actually Hippolytus. I was so moved by her arc and also like very into her blue hair. I mean, who's not? <laughs> um, and that was just, to me, it really as sort of a subplot, reinforcing the plot that Letty's going through and sort of, you know, only because we're talking about them together, reinforcing the plot that Abbott is going through. I just thought it was a really powerful way to, to, like you said, show vulnerable people and show their vulnerability being a, a part of their strength.
3: Yeah, and I think that when you bring up Hippolyta, that also reminded me of... You know, what? where Abbott is, you know, it's a five-issue comic book, so it really is focused on this one character. But there's a lot more that you get to see when you have a show like Lovecraft Country, where you get, you know, 10 episodes. And there is more... It is more of an ensemble, so it's not like a one-to-one in terms of Abbott and Letitia, but there are these, like, things that go along with each other that I really loved. And with Watchmen... And Far Sector, they're both more on like the science fiction side of things. They're both set in more of a modern day setting where the Far Sector, it's within the same like time period as our current day. But again, an alternate reality where Green Lanterns and, you know, Supermans and Batmans exist. Mm -hmm. And we have someone who, um, you know, both... Sojourner Mullane, Joe Mullane in Far Sector, and Angela Abar have gone from, you know, Joe went from the military to the police force to a Green Lantern. And Angela was like the child of a military veteran and became a police officer and then became kind of a mass vigilante who was based on the world that is presented within Watchmen. They are pretty much the same as vigilantes you know, they kind of work extrajudicially. And so that was another one where it was like, oh, this is really another set of parallels that I didn't realize until reading and watching these things together and seeing how yeah, these characters line up again too. So I <laughs> I was just like really like laughing <laughs> like every other time I was like read something, <laughs> I was like, oh, I just, like, that's, like, something that just happened in Watchmen. Like, we have these different things of, like, you know, seeing people in power who are willing who are willing to essentially, like, burn it all down rather than in any way cede their power to, like, people mm. that they consider to be inferior. That's something that happens throughout all of mm-hmm. these stories. We see, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the 7th Cavalry, like, you know, trying to kill Dr. Manhattan in order to claim the power of a god in Lovecraft Country with, you know, the Whites and Christina who are willing to sacrifice whatever is necessary in order to achieve, like, immortality or, you know, the gate to the Garden of Eden in Abbott with, what's his name, Bell Camp, who's like this wizard guy who is trying to bring about this quote-unquote age of heroes in you know, Greek mythology. And, um, oh, that's what I was going to say before about Abbott and uh, Hippolyta is this theme of tradition that runs through both of these stories and how Abbott has, like, this routine. She's very structured in her life. And over the course of the book, that routine is broken by her losing her job, by her being faced with this dark magic And Hippolyta has a similar, you know, experience of having to move away from tradition and realizing the tradition that she has been subjecting herself to has been something that has shrunken her. Like, she says, like, you know, when she has the moment where she goes into the multiverse machine and she meets the beyond. The, like, post-humans. Uh-huh. She comes back with the realization that, like, all of these things that she thought she... Was satisfied in were just essentially these routines and these, these traditions Ooh. that she had fallen into and allowed herself to become comfortable in. Uh, you know, it's like the boiling frog parable or analogy or whatever, where, uh, you know, if you put a frog in cold water and slowly raise the temperature, it doesn't realize it's boiling and then it just dies without ever even trying to jump out of the water. And so Hippolyta has that uh, where she realizes that she's been shrinking herself for so long and. Abbott has that mm-hmm. sense of, you know, she has her routine. She has her structure. She eats the same thing every day. She drinks two brandies before bed. And then, like, we see that extreme sense of tradition reflected back in this other, this evil character, Bell Camp, who is constantly talking about, how the world has moved into this more like effeminate age of wit and we need to go back to like the traditions of strength and blood and heroism, and all of these things that are reflected as the extremes of what traditionalism and quote unquote conservatism mean. And so like all of these things are just like throughout all of these stories. And I just, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so, I'm geeking out right now, hardcore. So please stop me at any point. If you know
1: never, what. I am never stop you. <laughs> I just, I'm like prompting you, I'm like post-human, keep going, don't stop, keep going. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think you chose a really beautiful quartet of properties to be in conversation with each other because there's also... Connections between them in different ways as well. So, I think, you know, one of the things I really loved about Far Sector and Abbott are, you know, there's a lot of queerness in them and it doesn't feel like a complicated queerness. It feels like a very casual queerness, which is very refreshing. And then Lovecraft Country, you know, has this huge grappling with what does queerness mean and how are men formed around their queerness? How does, you know, Ruby discover what could be or could have been her queerness, you know?
3: With Watchmen. There is a queer storyline. Like, like her grandfather is queer. Her grandfather has that whole thing with Captain Metropolis, which, oh, now that story, whoo, that was a really good story on the intersection between race and queerness because, whoo, yeah, that fucking white gay man, like, fucked Will over, like, and that is something, like, if we want to talk about, like, racism within the you know queer Mm -hmm. community if you want to talk about the fucking double gut punch of being black and queer yeah actually watch me does a really good job with that too
1: that is a beautiful comparison to compare with ruby and christina from lovecraft country right like those are two black people in relationships with white people who are engaging in some kind of queerness One more explicitly so than the other. One sort of like, wait, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You can just change what you look like? What the fuck? Um, and, and, And so you're right. I think there's so much there about the way that white queer people fuck over black queer people.
3: Yeah. And I really, I love how in Abbott, like the complication is a bit in the queerness in itself. But it's also just in the fact that these two people are very different people. So like with Elena and Amelia, the issue with them is more so that, yes, it is like the place that they're in, uh, you know, because there's a moment where they talk about, this isn't Paris. Like when we were in Paris, we could be open, we could be out. And the issue isn't me not wanting to be out. The issue is the danger of us both being, um, you know, Elena is Black and Amelia, I believe, is Korean and Black within the comic. And, you know, us being where we are is more the issue. And even that, you know, gets resolved in a way by the end of the first arc or this this first story within the world of Abbott. And um, in Far Sector, it's really, it's even more so casual because it's, again, it takes place in either a near or far future and also takes place, you know, millions of light years In away. A far um,
1: sector. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> and so like it's just like oh yeah like me and Season were together it didn't work out we we were better office friends and so now we're just good friends and then that's that's that.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's always nice. I like that a lot whenever there's couples that are buds in fiction i don't feel
3: like it happens too much i don't know yeah and and
2: elaine elaine and jerry from seinfeld i guess
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think that they're like each of these stories is definitely a product of its time yeah you know and the time in which it's set Mm. and so that's why i love again we get to see this range of time periods and these and these black stories being told across these different decades where we have you know, Lovecraft Country, like, taking place from the 20s and the flashbacks to the 50s. We have, um, you know, Abbott taking place in the 70s. We have Watchmen taking place with flashbacks back to the 20s, but then also to, you know, what is 2019 and this alternate reality. And then we have Far Sector, which is this more futuristic or at least, like, If it is a contemporary time period, it's at the very least, like, you know, very far flung from (laughs) the reality of Earth. Quite Uh, alien. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so I just, I love, too, that we get, that like, all of these stories are... They're such good stories, and some of them do handle things a little better. Like I still have some some issues with Lovecraft Country's handling of queer people and, yeah. uh, you know, trans people. Um, you know, yeah. particularly with Yahima, yeah, the you know, two-spirit being
1: character,
3: yeah, yeah. two spirit uh, intersex. Uh, you know, not being played by you know a two spirit actor, also being killed within ten minutes of Ugh. you know her being introduced.
1: I was glad I knew it was coming because I didn't watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, guess what? I don't need to see.
3: <laughs> yeah, and also being killed by another queer character. Yeah, that gutted me. All of that just felt so gross to me. Like it just, like it hurt to watch that.
1: I was gonna say, like, the, I think what's so frustrating is we see him kill her, and then in the next episode, he gets his like queer moment in the sun. You know?
3: Yeah. And
1: I'm watching him do that, and I'm like, I'm so happy for Montrose, and I'm. Furious, he just he just killed someone who has been imprisoned by a white man for centuries. At that point, maybe 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 a century. My heart felt so broken, and it's not that I don't believe that these kind of violences happen. Like obviously they do. We we I am alive. I read the news, uh, but it it just seems so like a missed opportunity. And I know that the creators did apologize. They were like right. we shouldn't have done that, and I I appreciate that they. I did and I hope that other people will not do this in the future <laughs> Like, <laughs> but yeah I, I remember my partner and I were watching it and it was just like wow is this going to be the only queerness and then like the Ruby Christina things like super fucked you know like yeah. it's it's we can't by any means reclaim that as like a cool queer story is there some creepy sexy shit yeah before it gets really fucking terrible I guess I'll say I felt like you did, Craig, where it left a a sour taste in my mouth in a series that otherwise I would say is among the best I've seen.
3: Yeah, that really was just one of the things that it really just like was a gut punch because, yeah, there was Yahima and then there was Montrose and then there was Ruby. And it just felt like the times that the show decided to, you know, engage with the fantasy of it all, Um, versus when it decided to be like, you know, quote unquote, like realistic to the times. Yes, yes, It just felt like it was always particularly harsher when it came to queer characters. Uh, Well said. And I, yeah, I just didn't enjoy that. That was something that I just kept noticing time and time Mm -hmm. again, and it just kept rubbing against me the wrong way.
1: Yeah, and I really, really struggled I mean, at every point. But like I said, I, I skipped watching Yahima die because I was like, I just don't need to see this. And then to to find that Ruby dies at the end. And it's just like, damn. like Which, why? I mean, she might
3: not have died. Like, right. Well. Because when I was watching it again, I actually like, I noticed because I like kind of rewound that last scene in the finale, which... The finale honestly it was a mess. I, yes. I like <laughs> like I was like re-watching this again. I was actually like really kind of like get into it and feel it again after that kind of like sour taste was still in my mouth. But then when we hit the finale, it just felt so the finale just feels really rushed. Um yeah, and, it, I think and it just feels like there's a lot that like, I, I get like maybe they didn't think they weren't sure if they were gonna get another season. But I don't know. Again Watchmen did a really good job of like Finishing a full season that could potentially have led to another season. Now we know that it's not going to get one. But
1: wait, didn't they change their mind on that? I thought they said they were going to do one.
3: Oh, did, did they change they? again? Well, because I heard that Lindelof said that he wasn't going to be involved it with it, and so <laughs> um, honestly, I yes, don't, I don't remember know if that I would happening. Want another season if if he's not involved with it, because the execution of it was done so well. I'm not sure.
1: Okay. It says now. It says unlikely. I think okay. before the pandemic had happened, they were so happy with the success that they were going to push forward with a second season without Lindelof. But I'm thinking that the pandemic killed that momentum. Which, which I agree honestly with you, I'm fine with. I want it to <laughs> stop where it is. I think you might be correct that it is one of the finest seasons of television. I think one of the problematic things is that Alan Moore. For all of his many many flaws, created the Watchmen universe and said like he didn't want there to be any sequels or remakes. So I think there's some people who feel like conflicted about like a, you know, a creator's property being out of their hands. But we live in the universe we live in, and for the <laughs> universe we live in, Watchmen is pretty fucking amazing. Regina right. King, my god, my god.
3: Yeah, and I'm like, if Zack Snyder can you know get a shot at it, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Let's that have we some, can with some actual talent. Yeah, I think that we can be okay with like how this turned out. So <laughs> So yeah, and and you know, apparently there's going to be another season of Lovecraft Country. And so, you know, we'll see what happens from there, but I was talking about Ruby and they have like these like series of like all of these flashes Right, uh, when, when you can Gia see inside was connected whatever, to Christina yeah. and Titus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so, like, we saw that, you know, she was hooked up to, like, the potion machine. And earlier in the episode, Christina made a point to say that the people on the machine weren't dead. They were in a coma. Even though I feel like at some point earlier in the season, they did say that they were dead, but...
1: Yeah, early know. in the season, she said they had to be dead. So, you're right. I did find all that <laughs> quite confusing. <laughs> yeah, so... So, so
3: uh, I think hey. that they might have they better a little bit. <laughs>
1: fucking bring ruby back is all i can say she Yeah i mean was... either way
3: it was fucked up like it's a fucked yeah. up way to leave a character at the end of a season uh whether she's dead or like in a coma where like no one really knows where she is potentially Well, they all
1: think she's dead whether or not she really is right exactly so she may as well be you know
3: <laughs> so yeah either way it's kind of it's like it's kind of fucked up
1: and it like is a really really um you know it is a formulaic step by step example of barrier gaze a character has queer sex for the first time oopsie they die you know yeah. like that that really hurt my heart you know and i i i appreciate you you pointing that out it's important to think about because i think you're right like queer folks we so often ends up as as punching bags and then i think when you compound queerness and you have black queer people the show is not Kind to Black queer people, Lovecraft Country is not, and it's not kind to Indigenous queer people, and so it's ugh, yeah, heavy stuff. Heavy yeah, stuff. Yeah,
3: and, and you know, there's there's a conversation, not necessarily like here, but like within the community, as far as you know, the treatment of Ruby as a dark-skinned, a larger character versus how Letty is treated as like a light-skinned and thin character. And so, like, there's that conversation that, you know, the conversation of colorism and fat phobia in terms of like how characters are written is something that can also be had. But like, it's just like.
1: The fat shaming was believable, which is not that hard. Fat shaming is very believable. Uh, and it was frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Although, damn, did they dress Ruby well? That outfit oh, yeah. where she's got those red shorts and that like collar, sort of like almost rainbow striped shirt, but like very faded. I was like, that is the outfit I am meant to wear as a fat person. <laughs> Give it to me.
3: I love the costuming. Like, oh, my God. the Everything that like uh, Ruby had on, like every outfit that uh, Letitia had on, like they were just like they were on point. And they're just like felt so like in the world. Like, I mean, there's like that one. I think it was like episode two where they're in like the Braithwood Manor and Letty is like trying on all of these different outfits in the mansion. And it's just like, oh my God, she looks good in every single one of them. Oh my I love God. it. Every time she <laughs>
1: walks into a room, you're just like,
3: dang it. That
1: is a good outfit. You know, I feel like we could just talk about these four properties forever, which we just said to each other in before we started recording. In the before times, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which there's just, there's so rich, right? There's so much you could, we could, we could have talked about Far Sector just this whole episode. We could have talked about Abbott this whole episode. We have talked about Abbott in other episodes. We could (laughs) have talked about Lovecraft Country. We could have talked about Watchmen. There's so much beautiful richness here and... Thank you for the opportunity, Craig. It's so beautiful to have you on talking about, you know, gender and sexuality and and blackness and and queerness. And, you know, I, I like when our episodes kind of raise more questions than they do answers. And I feel like this was a really nice one that, that raised a lot of like, and I'll be thinking about this for a long time. You know? <laughs> so I'm really grateful for it. But I'm curious, like, do you have any concluding thoughts about you know, either the connections between them or or what you hope our listeners will go do when they're done listening to us. <laughs>
3: um yeah, I mean honestly, I would just say um, you know, seek out more from these creators, you know, particularly black women, black queer people. Far sector is written by NK Jemison, who has a lot of amazing books, you know. Yes. Um, again, I could have, I could, I can come back and just talk about N.K. Jemisin exactly. Works, yeah, uh, at any point, like you know, I've you know, run through like the Broken Earth trilogy. Um, you know, so the my city secret dream became. is to have
1: her on the pod, and if it happens, Craig. I'll hit you up.
3: Oh my god, like I got like, to interview
1: her once. I'm like glitching out never, right
3: now. Like <laughs> uh,
1: she's so amazing on the phone. Like on like recordings, she's so kind. She like took time to interview like interview with me when I was just like a baby freelancer. I did not know what the fuck I was doing. It was the worst interview. I felt like such an asshole, but she was just like, "I'll hold your hand." Like, <laughs> "You you fucking fool." Uh, but she was super nice and unfortunately the interview never ran, but I still have all the everything she said to me that was not Nice. She was like, when <laughs> you'll win a book award," and I was like, "I'm gonna remember this till the moment I die." Mm-hmm. Kate Jefferson. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yes, like, if you want to talk about her more, I am here for it.
3: Like, <laughs> right? no, yeah, like, if you want to get if you if you get me and her on the same mic, uh, like, dear God, like her, uh, you know, Vita Ayala, like I could talk about <sighs> like their works, like so, like, oh my God, um, yeah. let's see, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, re- like read read these people, find their work. Um, like seek it out, like, uh, like these these are stories, like, and this is the things, like, um, uh, starting in it was like 2000, I think it was like 2018 or 2019. I was just like, you know, I've been, you know, I I think it was like coming right off of the whole Game of Thrones thing, like the whole Game of Thrones finale, um, and I was just like, okay, I am like, I'm done with, uh, you know, white G fantasy, um. Other than like Brandon Sanderson, I still am just I just have a, such a soft spot for uh, for the Stormlight archives. Um, oh, but well, like, then I will reserve the comment I was gonna make. <laughs> oh no, no, say it please, please. Let's, let's oh no,
1: I, I was gonna say like that's that's what I, that's the realization I had. I I started with Sanderson in fantasy as well, and then I tried to come back to it after having read N.K. Jemisin, after reading Rebecca Rowan Horse, right. after right? Reading you know, Cameron Hurley, and I was just like. I don't think I like it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, this, this used to do something for me. It doesn't anymore. So even today I was, uh, you know, tweeting with someone about Patrick Rothfuss and I, I really uh, loved I mean, Name of the Wind, which is like, yeah. a, you know, pretty, pretty fantastic fantasy, especially for modernly written.
3: If it ever gets um, finished, but you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's never going to get finished. No fucking way. He's he's making comics now. He's just like, fuck it. <laughs> um, but even that, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I read it before I read this other stuff that I now, like, I don't know. I'm reading. Um, I've been in the middle of the city we became for forever because I, I also read for work. So I just don't have a lot of time for reading for fun. Um, but it's just like, damn, N.K. Jemison, damn. Like, you know how to tell a story that makes me just... Cry and cry right. and then cry some more, and it's like I'm sad and I'm happy and I'm inspired and I'm, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm all those things at once. So, anyways, yeah. that was my little N.K. Jemison rant.
3: Well, no, because I'm um, also well, So the thing about it and the the reason why I do have a soft spot for Sanderson is because it's not this like, you know, like super like elaborately written or like high prose, you know, in terms of like the writing, but like the man can write fucking action. Like, and I I get a thrill like reading through a lot of his action sequences, which is why I still have such a soft spot for that. It's like that. Yeah, like, he has because, some
1: killer endings. Yeah. Because I'm and very like, twists like, that you're like, fuck, god damn it, fucking. <laughs> I will spend the rest of my life trying to pull off that Mistborn twist at the right. end. <laughs> I will spend the rest of my life trying to figure out how to do that. Like I'm 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 always like, how am I gonna work out a twist that feels like it was always meant to be there, but shocks the fuck out of you? Like how am I gonna do that?
3: Yeah, and I I love that. Like, in some weird way, it feeds that, like, anime nerd in me that's, like, Mm. really into, like, I love, like, a good fight scene in an anime. And, like, that's, like, the energy that I get from a lot of Sanderson's action writing, like, the action scenes that he writes. It gives me that, like, flow of, like, I can, like picture it so clearly in my head like as it's like as it's happening and it makes me like want to like almost like want to get up and like move along with it like I just (laughs) love that so much um but like yeah you just like like, took
1: me back to the finale (laughs) of the Mistborn the second Mistborn book (laughs) which I thought had such a good finale uh you know a final sequence there so okay fine Fine, Sanderson. Fine. That's why I have like
3: a soft spot for Sanderson. But like, yeah, other than that, like, I've been like reading, like, yeah, N.K. Jemison. I went and read, like, you know, so much Octavia Butler, and then even I like, just like
1: fantasy where people fuck, man. I just <laughs> like it when they fuck. And Brandon Sanderson is not giving me the fucking I need, not personally, because I don't need that from Brandon Sanderson.
3: I mean, in my books. <laughs> but I, but the thing I love too is like, is like, yes, the slow burn of like so many of like. Um, you know, Broken Earth trilogy. Like, there's a slow burn to it that, like, builds to where, like, by the time you're getting to these, like, climactic moments, you're, like, crying for these characters. Like, you're, like, Ugh. you're heartbroken when they're heartbroken. You feel, like, their triumph, like, so internally. I don't want to, like, generalize, but it's something that I found is, like, happens so much more with, like, women authors that I read, like, um, reading... I don't know if you've heard of Book of M by Peng Shepherd.
2: Yeah, I just actually was reading that. I'm not through it all the way, but... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah.
1: It's... If I haven't read it, Sarah probably has. We have, like, very... We're like a puzzle. We fit together with our reading list and have, like, a little bit of crossover. It's beautiful. It's,
3: well, yeah, yeah, like, that uh, Station Eleven by, like, uh, mm. Emily St. Clair, like, These stories about the apocalypse where it's not just, like, shoot zombies in the head and, like, as Tara calls it, um, my co-host Tara, she calls, like, the boy fights. It's not, like, these boy fights. It's, like, (laughs) these really, like, nuanced and, like, emotionally deep stories, like, that also take you really far into, like, the minds of the characters and the world that they're in. And, you know, that's not to say that, like, you know, action isn't a great thing to have in in these stories, but, like, I just feel like it's so much more balanced.
1: (laughs) Well, I think they do a really, like, a lot of these stories you're talking about have a really great, Way where the external action, the things we think of like typically being action, they're almost always echoing an internal experience. And so then you have this just this real deep resonance when you read it, where where you're right, you have a deep emotional experience versus just like cool fight scene! <laughs> I mean, you could have both. <laughs> cool fight scene and now I'm crying. Great. Love that. Win win.
3: <laughs> yeah. And and I feel like in some of the later uh, Stormlight Archives books, it's like getting to be more of that. And I feel like That's why, again, I do enjoy Brandon Sanderson's because in a lot of his forewords, he talks about his own personal development as a writer and the critiques that he's taken and like the people that he has had as like you know beta readers and like the the input that they provided him and how he's incorporated that and how you know him giving credit to the work that they do and how that influences him to. Again, not just be like that standard white dude fantasy writer writing that like standard white dude fantasy story. So I think that uh, his, his, his evolution over time, it has shown that like growth towards more emotional maturity, like within the stories that he tells, which, again, just adds that much more. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> I could talk about I this love this all like day.
1: unexpected like twist at the end where we're like, let's talk about fantasy really intensely yeah. <laughs> for a minute. Like I love it. Oh my gosh. Like, I think half the reason I started this podcast, or we started this podcast, Sarah and I, is because for me, I was like, I don't have anyone to talk with about comics. Like, I just want to talk about comics. And then we've slowly been like, comics and pop culture. Bitches on like comics <laughs> can do whatever we want. The world is our oyster. Um, so yeah, oh wow, 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 wow. This has been a damn delight. Uh, I don't have any concluding thoughts other than if you haven't seen or read these things, please go do that. Far Sector is incredible. Abbott is beautiful. Lovecraft Country has some really important points, clearly with lots of trigger warnings and, and content warnings and skip the very last minute of episode four, at least. You may want to skip other parts as well. Go read an article about it. And, you know, Watchmen... Again, a spectacular season of TV. And we're 90% sure not going to get a season two. So you get to kind of just enjoy it and not have to enjoy it for the rest of your life. You can just be like, oh, that season was great. Gotta love that. I was
2: just going to agree that I love it when series end. I think that's good for all of us. More limited series. Yep. I got (laughs) to say, I do love a grappler. Oh, sorry. I was going to go back into how I wanted a grappler series. All right. um, (laughs) I do like a series, you know. Maybe it could be about lady wrestlers. I don't know. but Lady wrestlers and magic. If not, there's other series. For instance, the things that we talked about today. And they're all very important to check out. And I'm going to go ahead and second... NK Jemison
1: as well. Yes, I know you're a big NK fan. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Craig, one more time, tell people where they can find you, tell them about your podcast and where they can learn about it.
3: Yes, I personally am on Twitter. I'm at Catharticus and my podcast is called I Want You to Watch This. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at IWYTWT on our website, which is IWYTWT.com. You can find our pod hub at anchor.fm forward slash IWYTWT. And you can find us on Twitch streaming on Sundays at noon Mountain Standard Time, which is twitch.tv forward slash IWYTWT. I love it. We will also
1: put all of that in the show notes. So if you didn't catch that, don't worry. We'll put a link to Craig's Twitter, and then all of the I want you to watch this links as well. So, listener, if you're listening, you're like, my pen ran out of ink, which is what I assume you're using to write (laughs) I'm assuming it has a plume on it, and you're like, I spilled my ink when my cat jumped up. Well, I changed your accent, listener.
2: I'm just like, wow, that is exactly what I'm doing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah's like, shocker, not all the ink. Uh, Not the ink again. You got me. But I wanted to ask, do you have a movie that's coming up on the podcast?
3: Uh, We are streaming on Sunday and we're going to be talking about uh, The Five Bloods, the Spike Lee joint on Netflix, which I still have not watched yet. So I can't really say how I feel about it, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) we'll find out soon. Yeah, if you want to find out more, (laughs) check us out. Yeah, there's there's only ever been two movies that we've done where it's been like absolutely by no means Watch this. Do not watch this unless you really are just like in for a pain. <laughs> and that was the Iceman <laughs> and Cats.
1: <laughs> ooh, yeah. I mean,
3: sometimes yeah. kind of I am. Mushrooms
1: are the only way to do Cats. That's yeah, yeah.
3: We just figured that was a great way to end 2020. I mean, not a great way, <laughs> but an appropriate a way, way yeah. to end <laughs> 2020. <laughs> On
1: theme. Yeah. <laughs> On theme. Um, Amazing, Craig. Wow, I'm so glad that we talked today. Uh We'll we'll be talking more. I'm looking forward to it. Yes,
3: please, <laughs> listeners.
1: Thank you for joining us. Go check out Craig. Go check out their podcast. I want you to watch this, Sarah. You know I love you. Kate, oh yeah. You know I love you.
2: Love you. Kate. We all we all love you, Kate. Deity or person recording this.
1: <laughs> Listen in to find out next week. <laughs> <laughs> you won't find out next week. Nope. <laughs> the week after. Ah, uh, we'll see. We'll see. a podcast that is all about making comic books more accessible to LGBTQ folks and women so if you have a question about anything related to comics, comic adaptations pop culture in general, conventions cosplay, you name it that's what we're here for. You can send us your questions at bitchesoncomics at gmail.com Unfortunately, Gmail does not like the word bitch. They're pretty judgy about it, so <laughs> we can't have it spelled out. It is B dot t c h e s o n c o m i c s at gmail.com. And yeah, remember, there's no I'm bitch. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by
2: rating and reviewing us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Sarah Century, and you can find me at www.sarahcentury.com and Twitter and Instagram. Still Sarah Century on those.
1: I'm Essie Fleenor, and you can learn more about me at seflenor.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at se underscore
2: Bitches on Comics is recorded by Kate Warner, who plays in the
1: band Churchfire.
2: You can find them at churchfiremusic.com. Our music is recorded by Katie Taylor, who plays as Earth Control Pill. You can find her music at earthcontrolpill.bandcamp.com.
1: Bitches on Comics is recorded in Denver, Colorado. We want to recognize the indigenous peoples who have inhabited and do inhabit this land the Arapaho Nation, the Ute Nation, the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization.
3: Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine